This is I Am Change Podcast. We must get people to connect more with this idea. Vulnerable children are going to be the most hard hit by this pandemic. I'm just going to write myself. I'm going to make sure I direct. I have seen how words move people to action. IIC Podcast hopes to inspire you to live more consciously and be the change the society needs. I think the most important thing is self-reliance. Sit down and look at your processes properly. I'm your host, Koride Aziz. Money. It plays such a crucial role in our everyday lives, but how many times do we talk about it? Like really talk about it? Of course, we talk money when we're in the market, when we need to pay our bills, and when we need to negotiate a salary. But can you beat your chest and say you have great personal finance habits? Do you have a healthy saving habit? Do you invest your money wisely? Are you confident you're managing your finances properly? Or are you clueless about how to manage your personal finances? I then noticed that among my peers who were like studying for a finance degree, they do not really understand how to manage their finances. It's one thing for the average person to be ignorant, but wouldn't you find it odd that finance students don't know much about how to manage their personal finances? Chidima certainly did, and she set out to do something about it. Chidima Okoli is an investment professional with experience working with venture-backed technology startups. She is the founder of Finlit Africa, a digital financial education company that provides easy-to-understand content on finance and investing for young Africans. For her work in the finance and fintech sector, she received Nigeria's 25 Under 25 Prize 2019 and the 2019 Diana Award. In this episode, I have a chat with Chidema about managing personal finance for young Africans. Before we got to the meat of the matter, I wanted to know about how she found her way into the finance space. I believe at this point here, yeah, finance and the work you do in that space is very much part of your identity. But has this always been the case? I mean, growing up, did you know that you'll be working in the finance space? So I wouldn't say I knew Fun fact, I actually wanted to study law initially because I like to read it. I still read like a lot because I had two other sisters. One was studying English in school. So as a young child, I was exposed to so many English literature. I was exposed to reading lots of books really early. So I just thought, that, oh, you know what? I mean, I should become a lawyer. So it was when I was in GS3 going to SS1, I was going to go to that, and my mom was like, no, never. <laughs> I should go to commercial class. Why? So my mom, so I, I mean, I think my mom saw, saw something in me because I used to have an auntie that used to trade in the stock exchange and when I was about nine or ten so I think my mom wanted to buy some stocks and so my mom went to the NSC to go and see her and for some weird reason my mom took me with her I remember mm. like just seeing that interaction I was like oh my god this is so interesting like, I think that was really like my first foreign to find that I just kind of like got intrigued um, by it but like, I think I did not take it seriously because I was like oh you know I still wanted to study law but maybe my mom saw that in me because she was like no no way that, that I must go and do um, commercial and then read accounting and so she forced me I can remember that I was so angry like I was like no I mean I don't want accounting <laughs> and because herself she's also like an accountant so oh, I, I was okay. like you know what why are you forcing me to go do your dream and all that but, stuff? Yeah. but then mm. luckily for me when I got to Unilag um, and I was applying to like to get into school Unilag did not give me accounting they gave me finance and till okay. tomorrow I'm so glad that they gave me finance because <laughs> yeah Literally, like they, they literally set me on this path because if I was in accounting, I would be so bored. No, yeah, so, I mean, I now understand yeah. when you say you fell into finance. Exactly. Yeah, I fell into yeah. it. I, I did not actively choose it. 
I'm mm-hmm. here and I'm really, really grateful to you. Like, at least for that one, they tried. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why did you decide to start Finlit Africa? First of all, what does Finlit Africa stand for? So it stands for Financially Literate Africa. My goal is to build a financially literate Africa. Um, so to your question, uh, why I said it? As a finance student in uni, I realized something that was quite interesting, right? Because of my background and that exposure going to the NSC as a child, my dad is also like a businessman slash investor. So I remember that when you buy in a newspaper, in the middle, like there's usually this sheet or like these two pages where it's about the capital markets. It used to intrigue me a lot and then I and my dad kind of like discuss it. So I kind of like already knew about investing and other stuff even as a young child. So when I got into school, I was already putting my money in some short-term investments. I then noticed that among my peers who were like studying for a finance degree, they do not really understand how to manage your finance. In school, they don't teach you about corporate finance, you know, how to do P&L, how to balance companies' books, but they don't teach you anything about managing your personal finances. And I, and I thought it was very interesting to see because, like, we were studying for a finance degree and we had no idea of how to manage our own personal finances. Um, so I just, like, started, started doing some research and then I know that was how I kind of, like, stumbled upon financial interest. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really interesting. I will have, like, cosmic asking me, oh, you know, like, Tell me about this thing. It just kind of like created like a platform around this, talking to my friends and like and my roommates and just people around me about it. Yeah, so when I finished school, um, I was like, you know what, okay, how can I do that? And I was like, you know what, let me just try Instagram, like social media, because like that's where most young people are, right? I might as well go where they are. And so it just began a fashion project on Instagram. So after my NYS, I started working in a, um, in a proper finance firm. I still couldn't shut that down because I could see clearly the impact. Yeah, because I mean, Finland, Africa, it, it's such an important platform because I can't think of any other publication that does financial literacy. I mean, the way you do it in that form for young people. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about how schools don't teach financial literacy. And I find it interesting that even while you are doing a finance course, personal finance wasn't a big thing. So why do you think we don't teach financial literacy in schools? Um, I think the, the easy answer will be that it's a conspiracy theory. Because <laughs> oh, wow. the is that if you learn about financial literacy, you're literally going to like know how to manage money. You're literally going to know how to take yourself out of poverty by taking advantage of this of the capital market. If I'm going to be short, I don't really know why, because it doesn't really make any sense. Because I mean mm. money management is a very core, it's it's like it's a it's, it's, it's a life skill. We do yes, money every single day. So it makes no sense not to do about, about money. But I think thankfully things are changing. I mean, like in the US, for instance, some counties are kind of like passed a a is it a law or yeah, yeah, I don't know what it's mm. called. Um, where some schools now kind of like have it in their curriculum and they teach them, you know, how to you know all these things in their curriculum. But it's still not very widespread. Well, I guess we're just going to have to advocate for it to be added into the curriculum somehow. Exactly. Yes. 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 So I'm actually very big on policy making. I'm actually currently working around like creating policies around that to make sure that it is actually put into the curriculum. Hopefully that works Hopefully out. Hopefully that works and, out. Yeah. All right. All right. So break it down for us. What does it mean to be financially literate and why is it important to be financially literate, especially in 2020? Financial literacy to me just basically means knowing how money works, knowing how to save money, knowing how to invest money, knowing how to um to manage your money as well. Um, then why is it important? Because number one, first of all, we all use money. Money is the currency of this world. I mean, if you want to have an edge over something, you need to understand, you know, that thing, right? If you don't understand how money works, you're already at a disadvantage. Now, bringing it down to 2020, prior to COVID, right? Many people never thought that they could lose their jobs and, and like yeah. back to ground zero. People thought that, oh, you know what? I mean, I have a job. I don't really need to have savings. No one really saw this coming, right? So, I mean, now that we've seen that anything can happen, like, anytime, right? You now 
know that you need to actually save some money. It's not enough to just make money. So I think this mm. year has brought that message home because I've had many people that have told me that, oh my God, like before now, I'd, I'd have never thought that this can happen. But I mean, this has happened. So people are now taking mm. the whole idea of having an emergency fund very important. So as a total novice, yeah, maybe I'm earning a salary or running a small business or maybe I'm still in university. What is the first thing I need to um, learn about personal finance? You mentioned saving just now. I mean, what else can I put into practice immediately? I think the first thing that I would say you should learn is how to track your expenses. Because I feel like that is very underrated and people don't really take that seriously, but it's also super important. Tracking your expenses means that you know where your money is going to part-time. So, for instance, you can be spending so much money, let's say as a student, you can be spending so much money on, let's say, chips in school. Let's say you buy chips twice a day in school, 100 naira chips. Buy that every single day for five days a week, get already five H. In a month, that's already two five. That is money that can be put to good use if you have other important goals. So I'll say the question is to track your expenses. And it's very simple. You can do that by using an app or just even using a book, whatever you want. But just make it like a habit, part of like your night's routine. So, you know, okay, how much did I spend today? When you do that for a period of time, you're able to see the areas where you're overspending on, like the little, little areas that you might not even know. For me, it was Coke that was like my undoing. Mm-hmm. I used to drink mm-hmm. lots of Coke. And I never knew that I was spending so much money because I was like, kid, my, you're spending like your entire money on Coke. You don't even own shares in Coke. So like, what's the problem? But yeah. if I didn't track that stuff, I would have never known that I was spending that much money on Coke, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I got someone told me that, you know what, I don't really have money to save. But after she started tracking that money, she also that, okay, if, actually, if I cut down on this thing that, mm-hmm. that is not important, I can actually save some money. Because again, okay. even when it comes to creating a budget, if you have been tracking your your expenses in the past, it will kind of like also help you with creating that budget. Mm-hmm. And creating you know, budget. Yeah. Then you have an idea of how you spend on a regular basis, so you can create like a much more realistic budget. Mm. I mean, it's good that you mentioned that because first off, some of us have tried tracking our spending, but after some time, you just realize that you don't remember to do it anymore. So, do you have any tips that you can share, or maybe I don't know, maybe any apps that make it easier to just track? For your spending when you first start it's kind of like difficult but i think for me what i'm able to do over time kind of like to make it a like part of my night routine so it's already a habit for me but i think you can just use an app as well so if you don't want to do the whole manual track it's an app in nigeria that does it for you like automatically so the, oh. the app is called find rich yeah so what it's it is called that they, what? um when you find rich f-i-n-d-r-e-a-c-h okay find rich or, or rich app yes so when you install the app it asks you to give you access to your um to your sms so the app will work best for you if most of your spending is like through your card so once you like let's say you swipe your card somewhere and then the debit alert enters your phone the app will just read the alert and then put the alert on your app let's say if your alert says okay you know what thank you was spent you know on uber in a day it's registered on the app immediately exactly yes i say okay wow, thank you that makes uber. it so easy for those of us who struggle with saving as well, because saving is something else that you are big on, but how do we go about it? Because not everybody earns so much of a salary and sometimes it can seem like your expenses are so much that you don't even know where to start saving from. Other than tracking expenses, what other tips can you share that can help save better? So um, for savings, I think it's very critical to note that it's not really about how much you save when you start. It's, it's more about the habits that you learn. Because, I mean, as a young person, as a student, most likely you're not really earning a lot of money, right? But if you form yeah. the habit of saving, when you now start earning so much money, it's not hard. It's, like, it's already ingrained in you to, to save money, right? People usually think that, oh, you have to like, save so much money. You don't really have to. You can start saving in line with how much you're earning. Let's say your friends give you, let's say, 10K, 
allowance every month. You can save one k or even five hundred naira. It's more mm-hmm. about the habit. It's not really about how much you save because when you now start making money and all that, so if you've not already built that skill or that muscle of saving, when you now start earning so much money, like you find it very hard. Mm. Second thing would also be like to save before you spend money, right? It's similar to the whole concept of paying yourself first. Most times you have nothing left to save because money okay. will always go somewhere. So the idea is saving first instead of saving last. Exactly, yes. Save money first and then spend whatever is left. When you like, when you do that, you're forced to kind of like arrange your expenses to fit into what you have left. Okay. And then also, if you can't, only your savings in your regular checking account. Put it somewhere where you don't really have access to it. Because if it's in your regular account, you'll be forced to spend it. Thankfully, like we have so many fintech apps these days in Nigeria that can help you do that as well. So mm. please just mention what all these apps might be. Yeah. Yes, Carol was in the Spiggy Best as well. Mm. So it's kind of like automated savings where you don't really have a say. Okay, let's say you put like a plan that says on the 29th of every month, once money enters my account, CarryWise deducts X amount from my account. And what that means is that once that money comes in, like that money just goes. And I think it kind of like just helps you with discipline. Because again, the whole idea of saving is not just to just save money, it's for your future self. We cannot all work on the of our lives. Yes, we have to retire at some point. Or you might even have some emergencies at some point, right? You don't want mm. to be like, like they always say, like in Nigeria, you're like one major emergency away from poverty. You, know? so yeah. you don't want to be caught. Yeah, and it's actually true. You don't want to be caught unaware just because you don't have any savings. So for many of us, we want to get rich. So my question is, can we get rich by making money and saving all that money? I mean, is it enough to save your money in the bank? Of course not. It's not enough to just save money. You also have to invest your money. But like savings is like mm. the first step, right? You can't make money because when you save your money in the bank, the bank gives you what, let's say, as most 3%. In a year, like that can't really do anything to you. Plus, again, when you look at the country's inflation rate, right, which is like around 12%, I think, that just tells you how cost of goods in the country is increasing. And then on your own savings, you're getting like just 3% on your savings. That means that your money is not going as, as fast as the inflation rate. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to just save money. You also need to like invest your money in assets that will, that will kind of like increase in value. I don't know any, anyone that has gotten rich from just saving money. You need to like mm-hmm. put your money to work, putting it in assets that can you know, generate value for you over time and then give you as well. Yeah, but but you know what the thing is now that word investment it can be scary for a lot of people because um you might hear people say oh is it not rich people that invests so for young people for someone who hasn't ever invested before maybe where would you recommend they start? Yeah. I'm sorry I can't just give investment recommendations because like when it comes to investing it's very specific to the person's you know person's goals and all that stuff like so okay what are you investing for how much do you want to invest like how long do you want to invest for what's also your risk profile because investing is, is kind of like it's risky right so you need to like know if you're like a low risk or a high risk or a medium risk person those are like things that you have to consider before you know giving an, an investment advice right so i can't just say that but what i would say is that for young people there are so many affordable assets to invest in for african millennials and gen z's for instance a mutual fund or like a money market fund with like five mm. k, you can invest in any of those. Mm-hmm. You can even invest in so I mean our, our um favorite brands as millennials, Apple, Facebook, you know, and the rest of them. You can buy their shares with as low as ten dollars. Ten dollars is like wow. what? Let's say even from Nigeria. Yes, from yes, from Nigeria. There are companies like Vicebest and True, you know, that you know, help you do that from Nigeria. But as low as ten dollars, you can buy shares of companies like Apple and the rest, right? And that's already investing. So in Nigeria. 
a lot of people keep falling for Ponzi schemes. Why do you think this is the case? Because, I mean, I imagine there are lots of people who might be scared or of investing maybe because they have been hurt in a ponzi scheme or know someone who has you know so for someone like this how can they tell the difference between a ponzi scheme and a genuine investment opportunity okay so first off like they always say if it sounds so good to be true it probably is um so there's no there's no asset that can give you 100 percent roi in a month it's not possible mm. like there's no there's no safe asset that can that can do that right so when someone is promising you 300% in a month is clearly fake. Like, it is not real, right? So if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's one way to know. Number two, ask questions, right? What what are they investing in? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, when you ask that question, you now see that there's exactly, like, no assets behind it. Like, it's just maybe, like, a networking kind of thing. Do you get? Like, there's really no yeah. asset that they invest. Like, what is giving me this return? How is my return being made? If you can't mm-hmm. answer clearly, then there's actually already a problem because you know it can be maybe you know when you bring in someone then you know that kind of thing like that that can always crush this like most times right so mm-hmm. also ask like what is the asset that is behind that is behind this, this this investment also like who are the guys behind this right so in nigeria we have sec um sec that's security and exchange commission right commission yes yes even the people like floating that um asset if, if they're not sec registered you know that's already a red flag where like okay you know what so because if anything happens there's no one that you, you can go to because they're not on that sec if they're if they're on that sec and then maybe something happens sec and maybe like can try to um what's it called now if you try to like question them you know or get them to like pay back their shareholders but if it's like a standalone like you know just a, a random company like that no one can really you know go and check them and ask mm-hmm. them to pay you back so i'll mm-hmm. say also like just look at are they on that sec are they um what's it called are they properly registered, registered? Exactly on that sec, yes. And I think I also say just also ask questions, right? Ask like testimonials. Don't just use someone that 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 they tell you, right? Do your own research, right? Google mm-hmm. and stuff. Have you known anyone that has done this for like at least one year? How has it been? Because sometimes some positive schemes, like in the first six months, it will be going well, and then afterwards it just you know it just crashes. crashes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's just, I mean just just ask. I feel like most, most people just don't do like to ask questions because they're like, oh my god, okay, yes, I want to make X money. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of like it's part greed and part poverty as well. So you, you can't really blame people for that as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so for, for those of us who are really interested in learning more about personal finance, um, are there any online resources that you can recommend or any books that you can say, okay, go and read this? Yeah, like so for online resources, like of course, like my page, of course. Yeah. We are on all social media. Instagram, Twitter, every LinkedIn, and the rest at F-I-N-L-I-T, Africa. Um, for books, right, my all-time favorite book is this book by George Classen, which is one in Babylon. I think it's an amazing book because it kind of like breaks down the entire process for you, like from saving to investing to insurance to like the whole nine yards. I think it's actually a, a book that everyone should start from. Mm. It kind of like puts you like in the right frame of mind to even to like start your financial journey. So I always recommend um, that book as well. And then actually, so we actually give out that book to everyone that signs up to um mailing list so if you sign up for me okay. forget about it like the, the e-copy of course as mm. a you know as a, as a freebie yeah so okay okay brilliant so to wrap up what are you currently reading what am i currently reading yes or oh, what was the last book you read the last book that i read was prosperity paradox actually i've been reading that book for a while prosperity paradox yes yes so it's by it, it's by um three authors a nigerian and two um, foreigner. So, Efosa Ojomo, 
Clay Christensen, um, he's late now, sadly, and then Karen mm-hmm. Dillion. Basically, it just talks about, so it kind of like tries to examine, you know, other countries that were third world countries, like in the past 30 years. So countries like Asian countries, so China and the rest, and then try to like see what they did differently to now become a prosperous um, nation, right? And then maybe, and then to kind of like see how countries that are currently still poor, like countries in Africa can maybe use the same model to, you know, to escape poverty on a macro level. Yeah, so that's why I read last year. Then I'm currently reading a book by Ray, Ray Dalio. It's called Principles of Life and Work. So Ray Dalio is like, he's a, he's the founder of, of, of a hedge fund called Bridgewaters. And basically, anyway, the book is like just, and it's like an overview of his experiences so far, you know, basically how to win our life and how to win our work. That's really what it's like about, yeah. Okay, brilliant. I mean, this sounds like really good books to pick up. Thank you so much for sharing. Welcome. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Nelson Mandela once said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Don't you agree? That's our quote of the week. If you would like to stay on top of your personal finances, you can follow Finlit Africa on Instagram. Their handle is at Finlit Africa, that is at F-I-N-L-I-T Africa. What did you think of this episode? Did you learn anything new? Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. IAC Podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Twitter, we are at IAC underscore podcast. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at I am Change Podcast. Share this podcast with your friends and please rate IAC Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. That way, more people can find us. Until the next episode, continue to be the change you want to see. I am Koridi Aziz.